welcome to Let's Talk, a daily dose of discipleship for the BFC church family. Glad you're joining us today. I want to do some reflection today on Revelation 1, verses 4 through 8. We want to ask the question, now what? And here's what the word of the Lord says. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits that are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. You know, I'm thinking about the fact that Easter has come and gone. We celebrated Christ's victory over sin and death at Easter, but now what? It's almost as if there's a little bit of a letdown, isn't there? The One of the great moments of the church year has come and gone. Well, what do we do now? Where do we go from here now that we've acknowledge the victory over sin and death that Jesus won for us on Calvary. Well, I think in the reading that we have from Revelation, the Apostle John gives us a clue of where we ought to go. In view of all that God has done for us through Christ's victory, our next task is fairly simple. Our next obligation, our next joy, our next thing to do is to worship him. You know, John writes to the seven churches that are in Asia, our text tells us. These are seven representative churches that give us a picture of the church in every age. Sometimes victorious, sometimes hard-pressed, but always recipients of God's grace and peace. Where does the grace and peace come from that the church receives? Well, John tells us that it comes from the Trinity. He tells us, first of all, that it comes from God the Father, the Eternal One who is and was and is to come. He's the Lord of history. He's the Lord of time and eternity. He's the Sovereign One, and in Him we all live and move and have our being, says the Apostle Paul. Grace and peace come to us, first of all, from God the Father. But then John goes on to tell us that grace and peace come to us as well from the Holy Spirit, pictured here in our text in all of his fullness as the seven spirits, which is perhaps an implication of the Spirit's personal presence in each one of those seven churches. Isn't that an encouraging idea? That the fullness of the Spirit is in each and every local assembly when God's people meet together. The result of that, of course, is grace and peace. How could it not be? So grace and peace comes from God the Father and God the Spirit. But John goes on to tell us that it also comes from Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. 
It comes from Jesus, the faithful witness, who in his life and in his death bore witness to God's desire and plan for us. He's also the firstborn from the dead, the one who guarantees the future of all of us who have put our faith in him, that as he has been raised from the dead, we too will be raised from the dead at his coming. And then John tells us too that he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's the one who even now is in command of all that's happening on planet earth. Isn't it good to know that Jesus is the one who's in charge of history? And nothing happens on planet Earth without it being part of his plan for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, after John enumerates all these wonders, he does what naturally should come next. He breaks out into a doxology of worship, praising Christ for what he's done for us and looking forward to what he will do yet for us at his second coming. He closes the passage reminding us again of the eternal nature of God, who declares his sovereignty over all things, saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. What we have in these verses is what we do next after Easter. What is it? It's worship. It's just pure worship. It's recognizing God for his love and his grace and his fellowship toward undeserving creatures like you and me. So now what? Now that Easter is over, what do we do next? Well, I would suggest that we devote ourselves wholeheartedly to worship, a celebration of the God who saves and the King who's coming. You know, there's a place for exhortation and encouragement in the Christian life. Sometimes we need, can I put it this way, a sanctified kick in the pants. But you know, there are other times where we really don't need that. What we really need is just to worship, just to come into his presence, enjoying who he is, praising him for what he's done, and celebrating him for what he has yet to do for us in the future, just like John does here. I hope your heart will be set worshiping today because we've spent this time in the Word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are the Lord of history, and we thank you for your unending love toward us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the grace of God, You are God made visible. You are God who came to give the sacrifice that only you could give so that we can be saved. Holy Spirit, we praise you today for being with us, uniting us to Christ, for being the fellowship of God in our hearts and in our churches. We praise you for who you are. We worship you, God, for who you are today. Lord, receive our praise as a perfume, a sweet aroma, something beautiful that rises up to you from the hearts and lips of your people. We'll thank you for the privilege in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us again today for Let's Talk. And remember, sometimes what our hearts need most is just to worship.